Jeffrey Keeble. What's going on, Jeffrey? What up? What up? We're back. Well, I'm back in the podcast setting, so this is pretty cool. You are back. You're back in the podcast setting, and I am back for my second time in this in the in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know, I have the equipment. We might as well try to do something with it. You know, it's uh it's a crazy world out there <laughs> to to try to start something from off the ground nowadays yeah absolutely your uh your first podcast uh, unqualified minds i was on that that was a lot of fun um but you know like you said you know a crazy world things happen things are hard to get off the ground oh yeah yeah especially with that uh, we were definitely trying to you know get guests into the studio where we had it at and you know to have that one-on-one feeling and everything but when covid hit it kind of destroyed everything in that matter and uh you know it just kind of fizzled out unfortunately but you know here we go you know round two round three who knows how many rounds i'm at right now but i'm up there (laughs) do you think uh that maybe the silver lining in uh in in covid is that um you know podcasting now you can do it through zoom through um you know video, video conferencing as long as you have a mic and the equipment and now it seems to be a little more acceptable uh, yeah, I mean, that's what we're doing right now. You know, I'm based out of uh, Lakewood, Wisconsin, and you're in Minneapolis. So, you know, um, well, you were up here last weekend and I gave you a mic and I was like, dude, let's let's fucking do this. Applebee's Irresistibles are back now starting at $8.99. Now that's eating good in the neighborhood. Fine. Uh, and the reason it's off to the side is because I have on a tie that I want to showcase uh, because it is a special occasion today. And uh, I just wanted to show it. And when I move it off to the side and I breathe through my nose, like, like, I didn't know. I can hear it in my ears. So that's why I was wondering and asking. No, I can't hear it. No, I can't hear it. You sound okay. perfect. As yes. always. Thank you. Yes, you I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for yelling at you. like right before right when it said like stream starting it was like shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) Uh, would you would you expect anything less no but i was trying to make it perfect and you ruined it again like would you expect anything less like and it wasn't like my intention either like you know me normally normally if it's something i'm intentional i have no problem you know, saying. I think he was, he was like, I don't think he heard you the first time. He's like, you need to be quiet. Cause he kept talking. Yeah. But yeah, no, we got a new look. I'm um, trying to step up the podcast game a little bit. Um, yep. yep. Don't know if it's distracting or not, but you know, we got, we got us chilling in one screen and then up in the top right here. You know, we got a good uh, little showcase of like the people that have been helping us out this past year and everything. And 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, just trying to showcase the love and everything. So, you know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, trying to do as much as possible. And I don't know if my chat box is working or not. And it looks oh, like no, it's, it's working. The, I see it. No, no. Like on the screen. Oh, there it is. Oh, nice. It's just uh, the latency, I guess. So uh, okay. keep her, keep okay. her coming. Keep coming. Keep asking questions. Mm-hmm. Keep uh in, involved. Yep. So just keep coming. Yep. Just keep it. <laughs> I don't even want to say it. I can't even say yeah, it. No, yeah, okay. Like I said, you know, I'm trying to be a little professional here. Uh, it's a spe- special day, special yeah. guest, special occasion, and uh, I think that's what calls for for the tie today. So, um, you know, just just wanted to be as as professional as we can be. Um, I don't know about you, gentlemen, but I think it's. I don't know if everyone can tell, but. We're a dash nervous. We're a little, little nervous today, just knowing, uh, you know, not only are we going live, but we're also bringing on Frank D'Angelo. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, I remember, I don't know if it was like our second podcast or whatever, but we we're talking about like great white buffaloes and everything. White whale. White whale. Great white, white, <laughs> white buffaloes the one that got away. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you should break your heart. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyways, Frank was my white whale. So yeah. I'm I'm definitely excited for this. Tad bit nervous. I don't know if I'll be speaking too much, but for the most part, I'm definitely gonna be listening. So uh speaking of then, before I guess we get into any of the Frank stuff, how was your weekend, gentlemen? I was gonna say that, but I was like, I didn't know how to start. I was like, speaking of professional, how was your weekend, Tito? <laughs> My like, weekend we was <laughs> not professional. And uh <laughs> So, like, I mean, I can do it real quick because you guys' weekend was a lot more fun than mine was. Was it, uh, though? I think so. I don't, I don't know, man. Yours looked a little... I saw a snap at, like, 240-something, and it was like, I'm ready to go home now. Yeah. <laughs> Almost 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't want to be here no more. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, St. Patrick's Day okay. was uh, on Friday, so I had a group of friends, so... It was one of the last weekends that me and another friend will be here and the same weekend. So we were like, hey, let's get together. Let's have a going away party kind of thing. And, um, you know, just make this weekend about us and have fun. And the plan was for Saturday. Well, we got word that uh, some of our friends were going out Friday afternoon for St. Patrick's Day. So I uh, cut out of work a little bit early. We just at 2. Just at 2.36 a.m. 2.36. So specific. It was 2.36 a.m. And uh, so... Yeah, so went downtown St. Paul, uh, had a good time, you know, drank green beer, a bunch of people showed up. I ended up at some, like, tent and, like, a concert. Like, it was the wildest concert as far as, like, music goes. Like, one minute they're singing Zach Brown, next minute it was Justin mm-hmm. Bieber, and then it was, like, Molly Crew, and then it was Metallica. So it was a wild string of music, loved it. Um, and then people that were booed up, had, had you know, significant others, went home early, and, and me and a couple others stayed out and ubers were just hard to find so we went back to their place i waited till uber prices went down and then by the time i got home it was like 2 30 3 o'clock and uh it's pretty hung over though pretty hung over saturday i i didn't do anything laid around in my uh juices and my sweat more than anything just because i was so hung over and um yeah and then i i didn't think i was gonna go out saturday until my friends like hey we're, we're getting drinks and i was like okay 
I mean, <laughs> I was gonna say, you, you got a problem, man. Yeah, like, I, just dude. I, didn't I was like, did you ever have to say round two? Yeah, that was just Friday. <laughs> and he was like, and then Saturday comes around and yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll go, you know, downtown Minneapolis this time. And uh we got drinks and met up with a few people. And uh yeah, man, dude, we so we went to that one place uh called the loop, and again, man, same thing, bunch of dudes, man. Like my, uh, my friend had their significant other here and even he was like, man, there are a bunch of fucking dudes here. Like I, like if, if I were living in the city, he's like, I'd be gone. He's like, there's no ladies here. There just isn't. So pretty, pretty stoked. You think everybody goes out thinking there'll be ladies too? Like that's why there's so many dudes there. Oh, for sure. I think definitely that's the intention. You know what I mean? It's like, that's kind of the whole reason why you go out, I guess mm-hmm. is, is, Back in wow, back in my day, um, (laughs) back when I lived in Milwaukee, I had like a bunch of friends, group of friends. We'd go out. It was like a collaborative group. You know what I mean? You can go out and like have fun, get on the dance floor and, you know, get sweat on you. That wasn't yours. And like you were fine with it. Mm -hmm. But like now it seems like this group here or or whatever, maybe the age that we're at just isn't like, hey, let's go on the dance floor, you know, and rub up on somebody. It just. It's time to grow grow up, bro. Time to grow maybe up. that's it, man. Maybe like instead of being like, "Hey, man, what's the move tonight?" You know, it's maybe start a family. I don't know. I guess so. That like mail order brides sooner than later. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> sooner than later. Yeah. yeah. Might have to you know settle down. Shit. Like yeah. really well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> GQ was like, you talked her out of a relationship. I was like, I. I you know, that's, uh, that's her choice too. I don't know what to almost, tell you. You almost talked me out of one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, what are you saying? I'd fall in love with those words. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I almost did it again, keto, I said. Hey, hey, Lyle, Tom, Tom said that you look like the neighbor from Home Improvements. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that show, but. Yeah, that, that's the goal. The guy that just peeks over the. Yeah, that's what Tito was saying, like, when we first did this. <laughs> but that's oh, your yeah. look. That's your look. Gives mm-hmm. me and Tito We're a chance. to get a ring light on you or something. Yeah, Yeah, dude. I tried. And then I got a white screen, like, playing in the background right now. It's not helping at all. Oh, dude, you live right next to Best Buy. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah, man, they got, they got plenty of mics there. They yeah. Plenty of mics there. <laughs> if I just flash my. For twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah. Twenty nine 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 nine. No, but uh, our weekend. Our weekend was good. It was uh, hectic, out of the blue, and I loved every minute of it. When so, did you guys even decide to go to Detroit? So I had my son's, uh, um, his uh, well, spring concert, if you will, and we were just we went there at nine 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 in the morning, uh, watched him. And then I got him out of school and then we went out to eat and we were like, Hey, like, what should we do this weekend? And then we just brought up and be like, well, we could go to Detroit Supercross, And then it, it just like, like kind of just a waterfall. It just started trickling down from there. Yeah. So then trying to figure out what to do. We we're like, Oh, we could stop in Chicago since I have Leon. And last time Leon was in Chicago was like, I don't know when he was three, four, two, maybe even. So we we're like, Oh, okay. We can stop there, hang out. And then we could just drive like an hour out of Chicago 
and just get into Michigan and then spend the night and then head to Detroit Supercross in the morning. Well, yeah. So then we had it all planned and then it was just like, all right, well, let's do this. Well, it was so out of the blue that I had to go to Target and get clothes for me and uh, me and my boy. <laughs> so I spent like $180 for a weekend of clothes because I was like, like I said, it was so out of the blue that we just, that <laughs> we just left. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so no, it, it was fun though. I mean, um, you know, Chicago was awesome. You know, we went up to Willis Tower, um, took some cool photos and everything. And then, um, yeah, and then. And uh, we basically drove all the way. To, we basically drove to Detroit, just uh, in Ann Arbor. Um, kind of pushed our luck there at the end, right, Lyle? Mm-hmm. <laughs> With the car, um, I pushed her till E, like to where yeah. it was like twenty miles to gallon. I was like, all right, well, we got eighteen miles to get there, so I was like, fuck no, it. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then, like, as soon as we we're pulling in, the the number, the mileage number thingy, <laughs> said no numbers. <laughs> I was like, oh fuck! I was like, wow, man, we're we're, we're yeah. still like two miles away, man. Like, I don't know if we're gonna make it. It's two thirty in the morning. I don't know <laughs> if we're gonna if we're gonna be able to. We're, we might be walking. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, no, we made it, and yeah, yeah. And, and but then, Detroit itself was super cool. Like, yeah, <clears throat> like uh, Haley hooked it up for us. Haley Shanley. Um, she got us down on the floor of like the supercross opening ceremonies, which is like for me, is imagine how how I'd imagine how you feel to you when like you were a kid walking around like all these off-road pits and shit. Yeah. Just cause you get to be up close and personal with like like I said, we come from a motocross background and see all that shit down on the floor, being near the fireworks, like the opening ceremonies, they do it right. Yeah. Yeah. So like what how you feel for off road and everything is how we feel for motocross and supercross. Like the knowledge yeah. that we have in in that sport, if you will, is like your knowledge in off road. Yeah. So, but no, I mean, like like I said, we what what we went at noon. Mm-hmm. We, we went to the track at noon. We spent most of the day there. Um, I was actually really surprised that uh, Leon was uh, interested in it because it's something that. I guess I want him to fall in love with the sport. I just don't want him to do it. <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> um, but no. And then, uh, you know, we're very fortunate enough to have Haley there. Um, as she was uh, working and commentating and uh, broadcasting for CBS and Supercross Live and everything there. Um, and she actually invited us uh, down to the floor during o- opening ceremonies. So we got to enjoy opening ceremonies uh, on the floor where all the riders were at and walking by us and and see some of the, I guess, fanboying out on some of the other videographers that we get to watch and everything and watch their content and everything. Yeah, so, I, I froze up. <laughs> There's did. a guy walking directly behind us. I follow him on Instagram and I was like, I was like, I'm pretty sure like he's not hard to miss. His name is Jacob Johnson. And I was like, I love his shit. And he was walking right behind us. I was like, should I say something? And then like a little schoolgirl, I just giggled and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> you uh have you ever watched that movie Get Him to the Greek? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You should have did that. You should have turned around and be like, 
I love your shit. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I love your shit, man. Uh, uh, My dad loves your shit. Yeah. <laughs> My dad loves your shit. You got puke all over you. Yeah. <laughs> Being so nervous. Yeah. <laughs> My dad loves your shit. Yeah. That's what it was. Uh, so, no, no dude, I, I saw you. Yeah. I saw you guys like Snapchat and like Instagram stories, stuff like that. I'm here laying my boxers on the couch, like greasy hair on my glasses. I'm like, what the fuck, man? I'm like, I was super jealous. You know what I mean? Like I, like my only opportunity to go to a, a Supercross was, was last year when it came to Minneapolis and yeah. I didn't even know it. Like for some reason, I just, I didn't put two and two together and I ended up going to some other event. <laughs> <laughs> some other alcoholic event. <laughs> it was too. <laughs> no, what event, no, what event you need to go to? Thank you, thank you. But no thing about like Haley too. Like she texted Jeffrey at like six o'clock ish. She's like, I got an interview at six o five, and I can meet you guys at six fifteen and bring you down to the floor. And then because she's so busy all the time, she made time for us. But when she's like, okay, like opening ceremony, she took us to the starting gate. Even like she's like, if this is our chance to go see on starting gate, if you want to go do that. Yeah. But then she took us back and like not not more than five minutes later, she's like on the big screen and yeah, she's on the big screen announcing. Like yeah. <laughs> she's so like quick and good at her job. Like she was able to entertain us and still able to do like, all right, I gotta go interview the guy that just won the race. Do you think maybe that's a little bit um geez, what's the word I'm looking for? You know how like um like psychopaths can like disassociate? Mm-hmm. with like things you know what I mean? Where they like concentrate <laughs> yeah and then they're like in it and then they like almost change to another personality yeah do you think Haley shanley has a bit of like a like you know a psychosis <laughs> like psychopathic kind of like mentality you know what i mean where she's like oh my god like it's, it's so great to have you guys here and then somebody wins and then she's like you know like hey hayden deegan like what was up with you you know Bashing pushing Jordan Smith, pushing <laughs> yeah, Smith yeah. Off his bike, you know, and and him eating shit. You know what I mean? It's a completely different yeah. person. Yeah, no, it, I don't know, but whatever she is doing, she fucking rocks at it, and she's fucking good at her job. And I mean, from my standpoint, just as a as a fan, and not only that, but like as a dad to show my kid that, and to have yeah. Haley show my kid that too. You know, like I'm forever <laughs> grateful. Cause like it was even cool. Like like I said, we're sitting. We went back up to our seats after the ceremonies were done, and Azrugizek was like, uh, Haley was interviewing the Heat One racer, the Heat One racer, and and Leon was like, Dad, Dad, look at it. it's that one lady that showed us all that cool stuff, you know, and, yeah. and you, you know he was just like super proud of like, Hey, I know that girl. So yeah. I mean, it was kind of cool. Yeah. It was cool to hear my son that because he was very shy around her. So yeah, he wasn't saying too much, but I mean, just to see the smile and everything on his look and to see the smile on his face and everything, just like, you know, just made my day and just knowing that, Hey, you know, I'm very, we, we are very blessed to be doing what we're doing. And not only that, but also like the people and connections that we have, you know, you know, connected with on, on this journey. So, you know, Haley, thank you so much. You know, it, it was you know, it was awesome. It was amazing. Definitely a life experience for me. And I'm 35. So to have that, I was like a schoolgirl down there too. So <laughs> and it was funny because uh, me and La compared like photos and everything and video. I'm just a fucking dad. Lyle's <laughs> 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 all fucking artistic with all his photos. Me, I look like Lyle's 
fucking picture here, like just <laughs> my phone, <laughs> just all stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like, Damn, like, would you take that with? Like, oh, my phone. Jeffrey's looks like a fucking watery Snapchat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For real, dude. <laughs> So no, dude, that dude, that's awesome, man. Like I, like I said, man, I was super jealous that you guys went to, to Supercross. It's something that, you know, having been around you guys a little bit more is something that I want to start to do. I mean, I, all I knew was, you know, short course, really. I don't think I was ever really interested in wanting to go see like oval track or like stuff like that just never really interested me. And I always wanted to get into motocross, but I just, I, I don't know. I couldn't like really get into it as much, I guess. But being around you guys, I guess, and like kind of getting that influence from from both of you or like friends even, um, you know, I've become really interested in like, you know, snow cross and then like motocross, supercross, stuff like that. So yeah, you know, I take the time now to go and watch stuff like that. Like I like I, you know, my guys, you know, Bam Bam, you know, Barsha. Mm-hmm. So, yep. um, I don't and, know, man. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why we get along with some so many racers, too, because we do have this background. And they have that background and we can kind of relate like what they're going through during the day of a snowcross event and everything. So, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, it's awesome to, to like, to relate on that point with racers and, and, um, I, you know, just sit there and moto talk and everything. And, and I want to go through these comments that everyone's uh, reading and <laughs> sending us. Yeah. I mean, it's mainly our friends. And so, uh, yeah, you know, thank great, you, you know, no, 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 thank you so support. much. You yeah, know, yeah, dude. exactly. So it's funny because I, I think I seen like a Vienna hot dog. And unfortunately, while we we're in Chicago, I did not eat one. Uh, I think that was uh, regarding the um, sausage bar that was at. There was just a bunch of dudes there. Oh, that's all. Oh. And yeah, they're talking so about I, a, a fest of, uh, you know, festival of, of sausages. Oh, yeah. And, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I got a question oh, nice. for you, Tito. Like an analysis almost, because I was just reading on the F1 race. Um, okay. Obviously, you watch it. How did Max make up that much? I didn't watch any of it. Like, how did he get up so high and all these other guys? Like, is it like a driver thing or is it a car thing? I mean, I think it's both. Like, Team strategy. Uh, to, be, to be fair, I think a lot of that... And I'm not taking away from like F1 drivers, but if you're able to put together like a really great, reliable car... Um, that can kind of get you around the track. I mean, you're going to be almost unstoppable, especially if you've got the right guy behind it. I mean, look at Mercedes. They were, you know, unstoppable for, you know, what, six, seven years straight. Mm-hmm. And I mean, these last two seasons, Lewis Hamilton hasn't had that same car. I think they've made uh, changes to the rules for cars. So Mercedes is still trying to figure that out. And Red Bull just has it figured out. And yeah. that's just one of those things where I think if you put, um, you know, somebody like, Lewis or, you know, Charles, Charles Leclerc and, you know, signs, I guess, you know, I, I bet if you even put, you know, Botas in, in that car in 15th in that Red Bull car, I think they work their way up through, maybe not as well as Max, but Max is, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see anybody stopping them this year with, with that car they have. I mean, look at, look at the guy that won, you know, Checo Perez, mm-hmm. I mean, Sergio, he, he, he dominated the whole time. And, yeah. and he was just, he was asking too. He was like, oh, well, what's Max's time? And they're like, oh well, here, here's his time. He's like, well, I mean, I can go, I can go just as fast. Yeah. And and I think Max beat him by like point one or something like that for fastest lap. So yeah, yeah, I was just blowing. Like I was reading like the results. I was like, oh, he's only gonna get like maybe fifth place. And then yeah, I was like, why can't anybody else do something like that? 
and and again, strategy too. Like if you're coming up on a guy, like you build up momentum off of a turn, and if you know there's a DRS zone, like a drag reduction system, like zone where like that back tail opens up, there's yep. more airflow. You can just go through it. If you time that up right, I mean, you can just, you're just going to blow by a guy. So it's yeah. like if if Max has it timed up to where like okay, if I you know set up this corner before the DRS, <laughs> then I can just blow right by that guy and you know have it no problem. So yeah, I can't stop looking at your tie. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I, I do. I do. I, I just, uh, I know we're going to bring on Frank here in a little bit, but I do appreciate the um, self-awareness or acknowledgement from Haley about the 110% disassociation. Uh, yep. So, I mean, that's great. You know what yeah. I mean? I, there's no judgment. You know what I mean? Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I don't want to be on the, you know, bad receiving end of, of her dissociation or, you know what I mean? One of her personalities. So um, I'm a big fan, always rooting for you. Always, you know, a snow cross race trying to cheers you for a shot. So, um, you know, you're doing great, Haley. You're, you're the best. So. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, I, I, I don't know how to tell you this, Tito, but I kind of fucked up. You did? Why? I forgot, I forgot to hit record in the beginning of the podcast. Or like all of it? No, for like 10 seconds. Oh, that's fine. Well, like not- what, like what do we miss then? Ah, uh, just the intro. Oh, okay. So I mean, just you know, what you should do just go back and take like a clip. Yeah, I'm just like, gonna say the same thing, <laughs> like like a really early episode, and yeah. then just like just have a hard cut. Yeah, you should okay. do like the very first episode we did. All right, maybe yeah. maybe I'll do that then. Yeah, we're I, just like we're, figuring we're, it out. Well, I had so many buttons to push up here, and I'll just like, oh my god, like I don't know what to do. <laughs> and then, yeah. as you did your thing, I looked down. And I'm like, oh fuck, it's still green. I was like, yeah. god damn it. <laughs> no, yeah, just yeah, just go back and just take from like old. So what I, I guess though, then you're not gonna hear me being like, oh, can you hear me meaning? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, dumb. you guys hear that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to go back and be like, look at it and be like, me, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right. Well, it is about that time, guys. It is about it is that time. time, man. Yes. I'm gonna puke. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so nervous. I'm gonna poop. Okay, so no, obviously, I don't know. Do we need to do the castle read? Um, we probably should. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's do the castle. Well, read. I guess how should I? How should I read it this time? Professional. Professionally. Professionally. <laughs> We're trying to be okay. professionals today. All right. <clears throat> should I do it in a really like professional, non-native voice? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> For facing the elements, Castle X has you covered. From head to toe and for everyday wear, visit a Castle dealer near you or visit castlesales.com. Castle X, your performance gear company. Damn, that Boom. was really Sign me was good. Holy crap. Sign me They're going to use that for the voiceover. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was good. Uh, all right. Well, um, you got your intro ready and everything? I do. I do. I have it ready. Just give me a thumbs up. All Don't right. yell at me. Yeah. All right. Can can you hear me breathing? Yeah. <laughs> can you hear me breathing? And our next guest is a very special guest from the desert of Mexico to the pastures of the Midwest and to the saddles and spurs in the world. Esquia, Esquia, oh my God, I messed it up. Center in Florida. 
I'm so nervous. This man is seemingly the jack of all trades. When he's not racing in Baja, he's taking his majestic horse Gunner to the ARHA World Championships and winning. When he's not being a two-time champion, he's watching over our beloved sport of short course off-road racing. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the championship off-road series director. We have Frank D'Angelo. Oh, Jeffrey, what a nice uh, introduction. Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't realize you knew that much about me. Oh, no. I mean, I, I wish I could think of uh, stuff like that, but that was our host, Tito. Hi, <laughs> uh, there's actually uh, three of us on online or on air now. It's uh, me, uh, Lyle. Hey, hey. And then Tito. Tito is our host, so he'll he'll be conducting the interview. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, hey, thank you all for having me. And, uh, you know, I, I gotta tell you, I didn't even know there was such a thing as this podcast until, um, a few weeks ago and, uh, it was brought to my attention. And so I thought, well, I gotta check it out. So I went on and thinking I'm going to listen to one podcast. Well, now I've been catching up. So I've been going back through them and, uh, you guys, uh, you guys are pretty informative. You're fun, and uh, I'm really enjoying them. Uh, uh, we so have. You might want to, yeah. You might want to skip over the the Dirt City podcast and then just move on from there. I think that was great <laughs> after. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah, you know, everybody won't agree with everything that you say, and you know, it's people's opinion. So uh, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure you can kind of, uh, you know, be in the same boat. I'm sure you more than us, you know, are, are one that has to get used to, uh, you know, making decisions or being in this world of short course off-road racing and then not always being agreed with or somebody not liking your opinion. Um, I guess some advice for us before we kind of move on then is just like, what's some advice for us then to being able to, to navigate waters like that if somebody's not always the biggest fan of like our style or our opinion or whatever it may be? You know what? Um, I'm glad you asked that because I, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I think it's okay for people to have different opinions on things without a doubt. But if you're going to voice an opinion, you should at least have some knowledge or some background information that you can insert into that opinion. So many times I see people talking about stuff and giving their opinion on something and they don't have a clue. And lots of times it's people that you expect would have a clue and yet they, they, they don't, they just formed an opinion and it's not based on fact and uh, they let it out there. And sometimes that that's not so good for whatever the subject might be. But I think that's what it would be. If, if someone is giving you an opinion, um, I, I think a good question for them is what is that based on? You know, um, have you experienced that? Have you seen that? Do you know that to be a fact? Because sometimes I think we all get caught up in it and want to give an opinion on something and we really don't know enough to to properly give an opinion. Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly, yeah, uh, I agree. Um, and then like, we'll, we'll then move into, you know, the the whole request uh, for, the, uh, for the podcast today. I mean, obviously on, on behalf of Jeffrey and Lyle, with Impulse Media, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, you know, come on with us. Um, but I know that you had uh, reached out to us regarding, you know, podcasts, again, uh, regarding opinions, comments, whatever it may be that weren't fully informed, uh, you know, regarding Champ Off-Road and Snowcross. So, you know, I'd love to give you, you know, the the airtime, the the floor 
to, I guess, maybe anything you'd want to address on that or anything you kind of want to clear up uh, about like a podcast from a few weeks ago? Sure, sure. I, I would love to. And you know what, though? Something that might be helpful if you guys are up for this um, would be if I could give you a brief history from from Frank's eyes. Yeah, now, that absolutely. doesn't mean. OK, that doesn't mean that it'll be absolutely 100 percent correct. But, you know, as you mentioned, <laughs> I've, been around, I've been around for 45 years. Um, I, I've probably forgotten more about dirt and dirt racing than most people know. Um, and, and I'm saying that not because I'm smart. It's just because I've been around for so long. Uh, so, so with that, you know, over the last, I'm going to say 10 years, there's probably been five to seven different sanctioning bodies doing short course racing. And when each of those came in and, and took over as the series, if you will, they were looking at it. They, they probably came to a race, seen it, and realized this is probably, without a doubt, one of the biggest spectator motorsport events you could ever go to with so much action, so much excitement going on. It just blows you away. And so when you when you see that, you know, these guys come in and they go, oh, my goodness, um, we, we could invest in this. And we could make it bigger and better. It could be the next big thing in motorsports. And so they come in and they start spending money to make improvements and do a ton of stuff. And they do short term. But then after a while, they're going, wait a minute, we're not getting the return. So pretty soon they fall by the wayside. So as a result, we've probably had, I don't know, five, six, seven different sanctioning bodies for short course racing over the last 10 to 12 years. And, and I think that's what's happened. I, I think people came in realizing how cool it is and how big the possibilities are. And so they jump in and start investing. And when they don't see a return on that investment, they're like, see ya, and they're gone. So uh, Champ Off-Road takes a little bit different approach. And our approach is that we're going to come in and we're not going to spend more than we have. Now, the exception to that was the first year. The first year we announced we'd be the sanctioning body for the series. And uh, the same year, the uh, pandemic happened. And, uh, you know, when I was one of the key people that were calling sponsors and sponsors were like, oh, yeah, so you're going to make short course racing great again, huh? Yeah, we've heard that story. <laughs> we've seen that movie. That's a rerun. No, thank you. And uh, I think we had two sponsors the first year. So, you know, the champ owner actually funded that first year almost in its entirety. But we did some things that were pretty cool and that got people's attention. I think uh, one of the big things was we listened to the racers and, and really uh, tried to treat them with respect. And, you know, when we went into this, uh, two things. Number one, um, I was up in Crandon, Fall Crandon, when Lucas made the announcement that they were getting out of the Midwest. And uh, the tracks were looking for someone to take over uh, the series. And the Snowcross series had taken over Snowcross 10 or 12 years ago when it was failing and brought it back. And so they had approached them. And then Carl over at Snowcross said, we'd love to do it, but we don't know anyone that knows anything about off-road racing. 
And these track owners kind of pointed at me and said, Frank's sitting over there. You got to go talk to him. Well, when Carl did, that was September. I didn't make the final decision to come on board until January. And, and the reason being is I thought that short course racing was doing a nosedive. Um, there was only one series that was kind of still going, and that was Lucas on the West Coast. They had pulled out of the Midwest, so the Midwest just had some tracks that wanted to run races. And so it was just not in a good place. And anybody that knows me and, and my career in, in motorsports knows that I do like a challenge. I'm not sure I was looking for one that was quite this big. And uh, <laughs> But after three, after three months, I said, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to take this on. This is going to be my last big challenge of trying to make things right in the world of motorsports. And so I jumped on board and, uh, and, and then we started and again, the pandemic hit and so forth. But by the second year, we had people noticing us and noticing that we were a little different than most. Uh, we weren't making promises on anything that we couldn't deliver on. Uh, but at the same time, we weren't making big changes. You know, I think a lot of the racers got into that, uh, that feeling that when sanctioned bodies came in and started spending money and doing big payouts and doing different things, you know, that they remember that and rightfully so, but that wasn't sustainable. And so what we did, we, we kind of operate a little differently. And that is we, uh, we prioritize what needs to be done. We see what kind of budget we have, and then we, uh, we work towards that. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty proud of the fact that uh Three years, we've got three complete years now. Uh, the first one with uh, during the pandemic. Um, and in three years, we've got record number of spectators. We've got record number of entries. We ended up having the West Coast guys come back to the Midwest and race in this series, which then caused the West Coast series to go out of business. Um, and, uh, and so things have grown. Our uh, CBS telecast is doing well. The, um, the live feed, you know, over 1.6 million viewers last year. And that was when people said, when we went to the pay-per-view and they said, oh, you're messing it up. You're not going to have the numbers, so on and so forth. Well, you know, we, uh, we kind of did our homework and realized that uh, Flow Racing was a place that had like over 2000 motorsport events on their live feed. Um, and so that was a good decision because now we got an audience that is truly in the motorsports. So a lot of really good, positive changes have happened. Um, but you know, you're never going to please everyone. And, uh, so that's a little history of what had been happening in short course. And then, Champ comes along and gets involved, and and now we've got the reins. And <clears throat> excuse me, getting ready to start our fourth year. Um, I think uh, I think it's important for people to know that uh, we will continue to make improvements and do things that are positive, um, but it might not happen quite as quickly as everybody would like. And you know, I, I think some of your racers um, really really hit it on the head in, in previous podcasts when they said sponsorship is different today. Um, the, it, it couldn't be truer. Um, the whole motorsport world has changed. 
it's a different business model um, and much more difficult to get and find sponsors. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, we're pretty proud of is the fact that sponsors that have come on board, we haven't lost with the exception of two. And one of them that we lost after last year, they got out of all motorsports. They, they'd spent 10 years getting involved in pavement and off-road motorsports and then had a change in company policy and got out. But it wasn't they got out of champ only and kept their other motorsport venues. No, they got out of everything, you know, but yet one of the earlier podcasts, I think it was, it was said that uh, sponsors were leaving because they weren't happy with us. Well, that couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, you know, mo moving forward, uh, we have this philosophy that in order for us to be successful, we have to have partnerships and our partnerships are with the tracks are with the racers and are with the sponsors. And whenever we're looking at a change or looking to do something new or different, um, we kind of sit back and we ask ourselves, is this going to be good for the racer? Is it going to be good for the tracks? How's it going to be for the sponsors? And if we can answer yes to most of those, it's probably worth doing or worth looking at. Um, and that, that's kind of the approach that we've taken moving forward. Uh, so I think our relationship with most of the racers is really good. You're always going to have a few that don't like what you're doing, but don't spend the time to figure out why you're doing it. Um, we, we've had an open door policy that I think is kind of unique. And that is uh, we welcome the racers to call us at any time. Call us anytime. You have a concern. You have a question. You don't think you were treated fairly. Or if you have an idea, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Um, so moving forward, our, our goal is to end up with, um, with eight events, eight weekends of racing for 16 rounds. Uh, back in the heyday, that's what short course racing was. It was 16 rounds of racing over eight weekends. But one of the things our sponsors have asked us to do is expand the footprint. So we started working on that. And for this year, I think you guys are aware we're going to Oklahoma mm -hmm. and yep. uh, for our last event. And uh, we'll have the, uh, uh, the final event there and then the year-end banquet there. I know uh, on an earlier podcast, someone complained and said they really don't care about us because they don't even have a year-end banquet for us. Well, you're right. And if you go back to what I said before, we take a list of everything we need to get done, we prioritize it, and then we spend all the way down to what we can and other things won't happen until they until we've got the budget to do it. And the year-end banquet was one of those. And, you know, uh, we, we, we thought about it long and hard and said, well, do we ask everybody to come back to a central location for a year-end banquet when the last event used to be Fall Crandon. What do we do? Wait a couple months and then bring everybody back to Wisconsin? Well, we were conscious of the racers' budgets. We didn't want the West Coast guys to have to spend more money to come back. And if a driver comes back to be recognized, then does he have to bring his team? Well, probably so. You know, and the expense of it. And so we decided it wasn't as important until we could figure out a way to make it happen where it made sense. And now 
having it uh, at the last event seems to make sense and in Oklahoma. So uh, we'll expand Oklahoma and go to uh, seven rounds or seven weekends of racing with 14 rounds. And then our goal is uh, in 2024 to go to one more new event. And again, out of the kind of the Midwest there. Um, one of the things that was mentioned was, uh, I think on an earlier podcast was, uh, you know, we don't pay for crap. Well, you know, in terms of paying back to the racers and, uh, you know, you're right. They have always raced for their entry fees back and a small percentage of that gets pulled out and put into a year end fund. And that's the way it's been forever and ever and ever, other than when a sanctioning body might be willing to invest and throw money into a year-end points fund. And then, you know, that points fund grew a little bit. Well, the first three years, we weren't able to do anything with that. Again, budget-related. We're not going to spend what we don't have. Otherwise, we'll become one of those sanctioning bodies that's sitting on the sideline you know, that, that isn't active and there won't be a series in the Midwest. So we, uh, going into our fourth year, we started a fund, we were able to fund it somewhat. And then we reached out to all of our tracks. Remember I talked about the partnership. We reached out to our tracks and said, Hey, we really feel like with the pros starting to travel now, sponsorship being difficult, we need to come up with, um, a better year end bonus or prize fund. And uh, the tracks being great partners that they are, they all contributed. So I don't know if you guys seen, we just put out uh, an announcement about uh, an additional $85,000 bonus that we're paying back to the top three in, uh, in the pro classes this year. Um, and, and that'll be paid out in Oklahoma at the end of the year when we have our year at banquet. So there has been a lot of things happening, but yet not reported uh, exactly the way it was. And uh, in some cases, actually make it amp look like uh, like chumps, like we didn't care. We were just in it to make money. And that uh, that simply couldn't be farther from the truth. Yeah, no, uh, Frank, you know, again, thank you so much for, you know, kind of kind of clearing the air on things and, um, you know, addressing uh, everything with with Champ Off-Road. Um, I know that we, I'm sure Jeffrey and Lyle and I, you know, uh, we have a, a bunch of questions and, and I'm not sure if there's more that you'd like to kind of address off of that, but, you know, we have a few fan questions and then we've also got our own questions. So I guess I'll just give you an opportunity if there's any more else you'd kind of like to say about, you know, uh, just some of those. Um, maybe wrong comments or opinions that was said, but, but again, thank you so much for kind of filling us in about, you know, uh, uh, the series. Yeah. You, you know, I, I think I've said enough. Um, I, I think what I would love for our listeners to do is I would love for, you know, if our listeners has a question, um, ask the question, we'll, we'll try to be as direct as possible. Uh, and I would also ask our racers, 95% of our racers are, uh, are feeling pretty good about what we're doing and, um, and so forth. Other than the fact they would all like us to move faster, you know, they'd like to see more sponsors in there yeah. with their race team and with the series and so forth. But 
Um, I, I would say uh, let, let's just go ahead with uh, your questions or uh, any questions that listeners have, and, and I'll try to answer those as best I can. Okay, cool. Thank you. Uh, so the, one of the questions that was kind of sent in was just uh, the curiosity, uh, I guess, or the reasoning, or, or why is there such a high number of uh, UTV classes that that have been added in? Because, I mean, I'm sure that they feel the UTV, the addition of the UTV classes is tremendous, but uh, I'm sure they're feeling that a lot of those now have, have kind of gotten to a high number, I guess. So, I guess, so why is there such a high UTV uh, amount of classes, I guess? Okay, that is a great question. And, you know, being this old school guy in a sport that I love, <laughs> I love the buggies. Okay. Yeah. I love the trucks. Um, I like the limited buggies, the uh, unlimited, but I like them all. Okay. And that's what I grew up with uh, both in the desert and short course racing and this whole side-by-side phenomenon. And, and that's what it is. I think has just exploded. Unbelievable. And so you say, why? You know, I can see why people are like, why? They all look the same to me. I can't tell the difference, you know, and you go on and and, and you go, my goodness. Well, here's a couple things to think about. Number one, um, with that market comes manufacturers. Mm -hmm. And we do have manufacturers playing in the series. So think about this for a moment. Once upon a time, we had all the truck manufacturers playing and they were playing in a big way. Not only were they playing in short course racing, they were playing in the desert. They were playing in NASCAR. They were playing everywhere. Well, guess what? Their mode of play is almost non-existent now in most forms of motorsport. And when you do see them playing, they're playing from more of a technical aspect, um, helping teams with, you know, how to go faster and so forth. But in terms of bringing in piles of money and dumping it, they're not. Okay. Now we have an opportunity to have the side-by-side manufacturers get involved. And when I say get involved, I don't mean about sponsoring a race or these series. I'm talking about helping out the racers Um, posting contingencies for wins and some pretty lucrative ones. Um, And so I think it's, it's good for the sport to have that new blood and especially at that level. Um, Not so sure that I like having the number of classes that we have. And by the way, the fans uh, that are truck and buggy fans and not side-by-side fans won't like this. But uh, we're getting ready to announce that we, we've started a youth class that'll be a side-by-side class. And people will go, oh, no, not another side-by-side. But think about this for a moment, okay? Um, this is a place where now a young racer, when they get done with the 170 or the 200 class or the five, uh, 500 class, that they can get a side-by-side run that side-by-side up until they're old enough to compete in sportsmen and then into pro stock or pro turbo or what have you. So they're going to be able to get a vehicle and stick with it through a lot of their career. So it's going to become more affordable. And uh, I think one of the things that all sanctioning bodies are trying to do now is make things more affordable. 
Um, and you're not going to make it cheaper. The goal is to not let it become more expensive. And so the side-by-side -side thing is here to stay. We only have two pro classes. We have a pro-am and then sportsman. And now we have this other new class. And again, a lot of people won't like it, but think about this. We may be able to get someone that at the age of 14 can afford to go buy a side-by-side -side and race it that maybe wouldn't be able to afford a buggy or a pro light or something like that. Uh, this should afford the younger generation to be able to get into racing in a different way. Um, so I don't know if I answered your question. I probably told you more than you wanted to hear, but uh, <laughs> that's, that, that's kind of, it's here to stay. It's here to stay in any type of off-road uh, series. Uh, one of the things we're going to try and do is control it, and we don't want to lose sight of the other sportsman classes or other pro classes. Yeah. No, no I, I thought you answered it fantastically. I mean, it's always great to, you know, have a rhyme or reason behind it, you know, an explanation, especially from that standpoint when you're saying, hey, it, it makes more sense to have somebody, you know, have a vehicle and be able to utilize that longer instead of trying to just, you know, go from one vehicle to the next. So I, I really enjoyed that. Not necessarily, um, you know, adding so much expense, but just not making it as expensive because nothing, nothing's going to be cheap in this, in this world. Um, the, uh, the second question that we have then is uh, if I'm a racer or a fan who's upset about a situation or call made by officials, what is the best way that I can approach a series representative so that they are receptive and willing to engage in a productive conversation. Alternatively, what is the worst way to approach these situations <laughs> with a series representative? Well, you know, I'm chuckling with that because, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this. I've been, in trouble before. I've been in trouble before, but usually when that happens, it's a parent of a child that's racing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that should normally would come and complain. Okay. Um, in terms of the worst way, of course, when you come, you know, yelling, not listening, uh, swearing, cussing <laughs> and causing a scene, that of course is the worst way. Um, and, and we've not had very many of those instances, only a couple. And I think we've dealt with them very, very well. Um, but the, the, the best way to do it is a person should first and foremost know what everyone's role is with the series. We have a guy that leads up our rough driving. Okay. Uh, we have a guy that heads up our tech. Uh, we have a guy that heads up each division of our tech. So we have people out there that have an assigned duty or role. And let's talk about the rough driving, since I think that's that's kind of what you were asking, if something happens out on the track that you don't agree with the call or whatever. We have a process in place that uh, there are certain times that the competition director has available to hear what you have to say. And uh, as long as you should know what that time frame is, because if you approach him while he's trying to call another race, 
you're not going to get anywhere. You're going to get asked to leave probably. But we have set up times and we've told everybody at the driver's meeting, hey, here's when you can talk to our competition director if you disagree with a call or want to question a call or what have you. So I would say two things. One, get to know the people in the series and what their roles are. And then secondly, make sure you understand when that's possible to do. And I really believe our folks are very open. Um, there have been <clears throat> a handful of times or more that uh, something happened on the track and no one came to our competition director. And we were like, wait a minute, we made a call on something. Maybe it was aggressive driving or whatever that we know that the driver that got the penalty is really upset. And the one that doesn't know that driver got a penalty is probably even more upset. So they've come to me and said, hey, can we go talk to these teams? And I went with them to sit there and listen, mediate if I needed to, uh, referee if I had to. Um, <laughs> but, but we do try to uh, we do try to have open communication. So the best way is know everyone's responsibility within the series and who to approach and when they're available to approach. Great. Yeah. Um, uh, I think I've got two, two, two more fan questions here um, before we kind of get into ours. Um, over the years, we've seen different action sport athletes participate in off-road races coming from different disciplines, you know, such as Andrew Carlson coming from Snowcross, Travis Pastrana, even Kyle Busch to name a few. Uh, is there anything being done to attract athletes or, you know, or the big sponsors that come along with those athletes and other forms uh, too short course. Uh, again, I know you had said that, you know, it's, it's, it's about the budget kind of your own different um, like needs your, you know, what, what's a priority, you know, is this something that's maybe in the priority at all, or is just kind of like, if it happens, it happens. No, you know what I'm thinking now, you guys have my phone bugged. <laughs> no, why? why why was this a cover does something happen that that uh oh well it's something that we're working on we realize bringing athletes from other places that are well known that we can also attract a younger crowd and so we have had um uh, we've welcomed with open arms any conversation that could that could possibly do that. And I just had a conversation this past week about a company or two and a race team that is working on something that would do just that. And so I, I, I can't say anything more about it, but I will tell you this, we open, uh, we welcome with open arms that opportunity. Um, when a couple of our series sponsors brought the likes of a Travis Pastrano back to race, I mean, it, it's incredible. It's great for the sport. It's good for our series. It, it's good for everybody. And, and so we will work with those uh, teams, people, or manufacturers uh, to help that along in any way we can. And uh, I'll actually be going to a meeting next week where I'm hoping to talk at a little more in-depth conversation about just that. Uh, I would love to have a star athlete from other sports, one or two at every one of our events, if we possibly could. Will it happen this year? I don't know. That's what I'm going to investigate. 
Wow. Well, uh, I mean, I'll give you the first name of the guy's name is Zach. So, Zach, you will be hunted down by Frank for your uh, really uh, creepy and accurate question. Um, <laughs> yeah. The next question, again, it's, it's, it's pertaining to um, payouts, but I kind of want to make a comparison here uh, about kind of comparing like uh, oval dirt track payouts compared to off-road uh, payouts. What is it? What is it? Do you think that dirt track is doing that maybe is different than than what short course off road racing is doing? Boy, I'm going to be honest here, and I absolutely do not know, but I absolutely want to know. In fact, uh, Carl and I had this conversation not more than two weeks ago and said, we got to dig into this. How are these guys doing this? Mm -hmm. Now, having said that. Our business model is a little bit different than a Saturday night track, okay? And that is, you know, we bring the show. And what I mean by that is we're bringing the live feed, the marketing, the um, television. We're, We're running the race on site. And for that, we get a sanctioning fee, okay? And I know a few weeks ago it was said that we're charging so much on this sanctioning fee that the tracks have had to bump up their, their cost to get in and their cost to the racers and so on and so forth. Well, I'm here to tell you, we are charging thousands of dollars less for the sanctioning fee than the previous series did. So at any rate, going back to the uh, track side of it, uh, the, the tracks, Income is based off of the gate and the vendors and concessions and charging the racers to get in um, and parking space. Champ Off-Road only has the series sponsors and the sanctioning fee that the track pays. And that's it. So we're all kind of limited, but when we wanted to put together this bonus year-end payout this year, the tracks all jumped on board. So it's not like uh, it's not like we're not trying, but how some of these tracks are paying out these big purses is beyond us. But trust me, we are looking at it and we're trying to figure it out ourselves. Yeah. And, and I mean, the thing of it too, like you said, is that you're, you're bringing the show I mean, you know, you've got seven different tracks, whereas these oval tracks, I mean, it's the it's the it's the weekly, you know, shows at the same track every single week. So I'm sure those expenses are vastly different than, you know, um, a a short course uh, expense for a weekend. Sure, sure. Um, Another question we uh, the last fan question we have is uh, what do you want the off road community to know about the intentions of Champ Off Road? If, if, If it's something you've already explained, fantastic. Uh, if there's more to that question, please feel free to, uh, you know, expand. I, I guess uh, what I'd like them to know is that we are only going to do as much as our income allows, but we promise to continue to make improvements each and every year. Um, we want to see growth. We'd like to see it much faster than it is happening. But, you know, you guys have probably been to a champ off-road race, I'm guessing. And uh, <laughs> it's it's freaking amazing. I mean, if you watch 
what these drivers do in these vehicles, it is truly amazing. And so I just want, you know, the listeners, the fans to know that um, we're in it for the long haul. We want to see improvements and we will make improvements every single year um, as, as the budgets allow. Um, yeah, no, uh, great. Thank you. I, I think that's some, you know, healthy reassurance as well, you know, kind of about champ off road and, and kind of what the, you know, again, intentions are or even kind of what the business budget model is. Cause I mean, it's, you know, as you explained, it's definitely not an overnight, you know, business model. So, and, and, and it's great to know that there's some, you know, explanation behind, uh, you know, what, what's been going on. Um, Jeffrey Lyle, are there uh, questions that you have wanted, you know, to ask or any attention, stuff like that? Because uh, I, again, I, I know I have, uh, we have what, 23, 20, 20 minutes left. Uh, I mean, I have questions, but I want you guys to kind of get your questions in. Uh, I guess uh, my one question is, uh, speaking of expanding your tracks to like mid America and hopefully down to Georgia, I heard at one point, um, there is a track in Missouri, the Lucas oil, uh, compound or what, what is it? The Wheatland track. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Wheatland track. Is there any intentions of going to Wheatland at, at any time soon? Okay, so now I know you guys have me bugged. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, you know what? We did a visit there last fall. Um, And uh, yes, we have interest in going there. The facility is amazing. Um, We also, as you guys mentioned, have been working with Georgia uh, a facility in Georgia for the last two years. They've run into some hiccups in terms of being ready to go. Um, we could not uh, add two events in one year. Again, we look at our partners and to add two events means the cost to the racer would have went up a lot. Um, and the cost to the sponsors to attend and activate would have went up a lot. So we felt like adding one race this year and then one in 2024, and we'd get to that eight weekends. Um, and, and if you remember when we started, we were at five weekends. So we went to six and now we're at seven. So we'd like to get to one more. And I got to tell you, Wheatland is definitely on the radar. Um, and we'll just have further conversations with them and with Georgia and see what makes the most sense for everyone involved. Okay. Uh, and I guess, uh, piggybacking off my own question here is that, is there any, um, chances of going out back out West? Uh, and I understand that a bunch of, well, not a bunch of drivers, but some drivers actually, you know, retired because of the cost of coming out to the Midwest and racing and obviously their budget uh, they couldn't afford. So is there any possibility of going out West at all in the future? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yes. And no, Um, let me say this. And, you know, one of the things uh, most people that know me very well say that I'm pretty transparent and, and (laughs) and I am Um, sometimes to a fault. And so I may get in trouble for some of this, but um, no, we understand we're the same way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the first year of the series, you know, I wanted growth. I wanted it immediately. 
And the first place I went was to the West Coast. I went and tried to drum up a race or two on the West Coast to start the season on the West Coast and hopefully end it on the West Coast. And everything in between would be, you know, where we're racing now. And I got to tell you guys, honestly, there was there was no great fit. If you think about our business model versus the business model of the other sanctioning bodies, um, it, it was just way different. We don't want to be the organization that not only is the series, but also is an event promoter. Um, we don't want to go to a place and have to build a track, you know, do the concessions, do the gates. That's not our expertise. Our expertise is managing the race, taking care of the series sponsors, providing the coverage, the, the live feed and the television and social media and those types of things. So um, we did go out there and we tried very, very hard. And we, we ha actually had a couple of kind of very unique ideas that, that we approached some folks with. None of it worked out because they weren't necessarily interested in partnering in a business model like, like we're operating in. So we gave that up. And it's funny because people said, well, you got to be on the West Coast. You got to be on the West Coast. And I believed it also. But you know what? I don't believe that anymore. Um, I think uh, being in Oklahoma or if we're in Missouri or in Georgia, I think that uh, that that does just fine. Would we look at the West Coast if the right opportunity came up? Yes, we would. But we've got to consider we've got to consider the expense for the racers and the expense for the sponsors as well as ourselves to make something like that happen. So it would have to be financially sound in order for us to do it. So I. I don't know if I answered your question or not, but nope, uh, that was good. Thank you. I, I'm yeah, no, I, that, I, that was uh, great information to know. I mean, uh, as far as you know, the 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 interest of of going out west and and just even understanding and hearing about their business model compared to the Midwest. I mean, these are you know, something that I've always wanted to know being, being a big fan and then now kind of being in the media side of things. So I, I appreciate, you know, filling that in, uh, Frank, uh, I guess, uh, just to kind of move on, I know we've got, you know, 10, 13 minutes here, 15 minutes, um, got a few more and then, and then we'll, uh, we'll let you get, get on your way. But, um, I guess what are, what is, what are some or one of the biggest challenges in operating a short course series for you? Um, I would say, wow, um, biggest challenge is, is probably you will never make everyone happy, you know, and while, <laughs> while I think we, we've made 95% of the people happy, that 5% that's not happy, it still bothers me. I want everybody to be happy. I want everybody pulling on the rope in the same direction. And, uh, it, it's, it's a big challenge. It is, uh, it's tough. It's probably one of the toughest things that I face because again, anyone that knows me knows that 
you know, when I take something on, I pour my heart and soul into it. Um, I have such a passion for whatever it is I decide to do. And I have that passion for, for this series. I, I got to tell you. Um, and if you think about it, I've got a little history here. My first event and some of you probably weren't even born yet, or if you were, you were <laughs> in diapers. My first event was 1979 at Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Um, my short, first short course race. So I I've had the opportunity to watch a lot of people come and go and, uh, and, I, I don't know. There's still a lot of families that were involved back then that are still involved now. And to me, that is, that is like really, really cool. So I think the biggest challenge is just the fact that we can't make 100% of the people happy, but I think we've, uh, we've got the majority covered hopefully. Um, and then kind of, uh, I don't want to say like piggybacking off of that, but what are some of the biggest misconceptions then of uh, writing a short course series? I think it's that the series and the tracks are making a big, big, big pile of money. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, I I, I just, I, I think people really believe that and uh, it couldn't be farther from the truth. You know, one of you guys mentioned it, that, you know, a Saturday night uh, dirt track, um, they may have, races every weekend or every other weekend, you know, or once a month all through the spring, summer, and fall. Uh, Most of the tracks that we have, they've got one event. They've got to make it happen with one event. And that's pretty tough um, with the expense of putting one of these on, Um, you know, from a series standpoint, gosh, I think we have 35 people on the short list that come in early and get things going and so forth. But by the time the weekend's out, we've got 75 people between the television production crew and everyone else. Um, and that, 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 that's a lot of expense. It's a lot of people to move around. So, uh, it makes it, uh, makes it pretty tough. Yeah. Um, so I, I know you'd mentioned, uh, when the series started, I mean, at a such an opportune time in, in 2020 um, had the pandemic not happened. Do you think it would be a different story for champ off road right now? Wow. Um, no, you know, I, I don't think so. I, I, I really don't. Um, I think uh, it might, we might've moved a little faster since then um, with some changes with some sponsors and so forth. Um, but I don't know that it would have changed a lot. Maybe just where we are, maybe we would have been a little further down the road than, uh, where we are now. Um, but you know, we, we did a a couple little things that, uh, that to me weren't really huge deals, but they turned out to be really huge deals. Um, you know, we, uh, Carl, gets the credit for this one, you know, we're, we're doing the live feed and getting ready to gear up to do television. And Carl brings in a professional drone pilot to film the events. And up until that happened, I don't think anybody's ever seen some of the footage that we're seeing now in uh, short course racing, you know, prior to that. Uh, this drone pilot wasn't just a drone pilot. He was a professional 
racer that that race drones and um i mean some of the shots if you guys watch the the live feed or or the television some of the shots are just simply amazing and i think it's those little things that started getting people's attention that wow these guys are doing a pretty good job and they're doing a little different but it's pretty cool yeah no i I think the the addition of the drone pilot has been incredible you know kind of gives that video game feel which you know, a lot of us, you know, younger generation are, are all about uh, the video games. Um, again, I'm, I'm conscious of your time here. I got a few more questions and then and then we'll let you go. Uh, these are kind of a little bit more fun questions, I guess. Um, so <laughs> okay. who is your favorite Pro 4 driver of all time? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, feelings. my gosh. Go ahead. Heard them. You're, you're putting me on the spot and I have... <laughs> I have two okay. that I would rank up there as the best ever to put on a helmet. And um, both of them are getting a little long in the tooth, a little gray <laughs> on it. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, heads up, I'd still put them against anybody. And that would be Rob McCachron and Johnny Greaves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those are I my picks. It. Those are my picks. Rob, uh, yeah. Rob Mack has been my favorite ever since I was a kid. The guy, the guy was absolutely dominant, and I, I was devastated. I missed one race uh, when he won the uh, Borgorner Championship. I think he came from fifth and uh, came back and won it. So I was devastated. Well, with that question in mind too, I, I got a question for you then. So who do you think would win in a Pro Two versus Pro Four race? Right, we're, we're talking World Cup race against each other but these guys are all in their prime okay so uh, on the starting line for pro four rob mack our renazener ricky johnson johnny greaves jack flannery walker evans and prime kent brasho who do you think is pulling off the the cup win oh my gosh <laughs> wow that that would be first of all that's an all-star lineup um uh, secondly i think that Gosh, I think there's probably four or five. It would be, it would just be a matter of who had a little bit of good luck riding with them because I really believe a um, a, a Rob, a Johnny, uh, a Carl, um, and then even Walker and his time and and Jack. Um, boy, any one of those guys could. Could have. I mean, it could have been a thing where they were all crossing the finish line about the same time because they were all so spectacular. So I, I don't know. I couldn't pick one. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a flip of a coin, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Could you imagine uh, though? Could you imagine that race? No, absolutely not. <laughs> That'd be insane. I'd, I'd pay anything to watch that. <laughs> What's insane is somebody has to take sixth out of that, which is absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I got, I got uh, two more questions here for you. Uh, this one's kind of a bit of a, bit of a, a, a rib, as you'll say um, with champ off road, how will the uh, off season Bitcoin investments the series made this year help the series uh, for the summer? <laughs> I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, wow. so i got a question for you guys okay uh do you guys make it out to the races uh yes. yes yep okay well 
you know, I want you guys to promise me next time you're out to a race that you give me a shout. I'd like to, uh, I don't know, buy you a lunch or uh, have a coffee or if it's later in the evening, maybe bend an elbow with a beer or two and uh, Mm -hmm. get to know you guys a little better. So I'm not sure if you recall or not, but, um, and, and man, I, I'm hoping not to, not to re, uh, re upset you. Yeah. So <laughs> do you remember Bark River this past, uh, season? Yeah. Remember those young gentlemen that were apologizing to Carl in the trailer? Carl. Yeah. Yep. That was us. In trouble. Okay. I got an idea. You guys are. <laughs> that, that's okay. I, you know, I don't hold any grudges and I always look forward. So I still want to spend some time with you guys out at an event. Oh, heck yeah. yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Absolutely. We will be there for Antigo. We uh, will be, uh, the media crew, the team, uh, two of us will be in blue vests and one of us will be in red vests. Um, <laughs> last, last question before we let you go here. Uh, who is your favorite commentator, Brent Smith or Shane Stetsony? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Gosh. Um, I I don't know. I. I don't know. Uh, I don't think I can answer that one. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I like them both. I think they, uh, they've done a really good job. Uh, I like the fact that they know the racers. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Frank, you still got your, uh, you still got it. You still got your podium speeches down and uh, you know how to answer uh, the tough questions for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've had a little bit of practice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. Plenty, plenty of experience. Um, I, I don't have any more questions. Uh, Jeffrey Lyle, do you? Uh, no, no. Nope. Okay. Well, again, we're conscious of your time, Frank. We want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day uh, to come on the podcast, do it live, answer all kinds of questions for us. Uh, and we do look forward to seeing you in Andigo. Okay. Well, Jeffrey, Lyle, and Tito, I, I appreciate the time and uh, look forward to seeing you guys out at an event. Heck yeah. Awesome. Yep, thank, thank you, Frank. You. Yep. Okay. okay. Take care, guys. Yeah. Yep. See you. Have a good day. Later. Okay. Bye-bye. I wanted to say I love you, but I, I wanted to say it too. I was going to, but I was like, I don't know. Uh, maybe it would have uh, got us back up on the on the good side of, of Champ yeah. Off Road. Yeah. You're, you're like, uh, that was us apologizing. He's like, oh, okay, I didn't remember you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, know, you know what's a bummer? Huh? I mean, it, it's nothing bad, but like, and I'm not saying that we're, very well known in the industry at all, but yeah. for him to not know who we were, kind of bummed me. Well, and and I was just about to say, you know, to be fair, he has a lot on his plate. You yeah. know what I mean? He's <laughs> a lot of moving parts, a lot of things that he's doing. You know, bigger fish to fry for sure. I mean, yes. you know, Jeffrey, we're we're big guys, but you know, I think he's got some some other things that you know are priority <laughs> when it comes to you know his day to day you know tasks. And, yeah, and, and so. Yeah. Hey, I mean, he's listening. He said he, he went back, started listening, and then we advised to maybe not listen to that, you know, Dirt City podcast. Yeah, that, or just the rant. beginning, the beginning stages. Like I said, we have evolved. 
yeah. from episode one to episode 41 right now. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, um, I wanted to ask because uh, Chris from uh, VDE Racing had a, had a good question was like any thoughts of doing a West Coast, West Coast Champ Series and the East Coast Series and then obviously doing like what Cranon does and have like a East West shootout. Well, I believe from what he had said is that he had expressed interest in, in the West Coast facilities, but they, they're the ones that wanted like the series then to run uh, operate. Yeah. Like, like the concession stands and like the, the front gates and stuff like that, where I guess our business model is that these tracks operate the tracks. I mean, weird, right. Yeah. Uh, where, where I think out West, the series itself uh, was actually kind of doing all of that, like with the gates and the tickets and the concession stands and and, and everything else like that. So yeah. they were kind of taking on like a secondary role. Yeah. Um. When when they didn't almost need to. So. Yeah. And then um, AJ, AJ had a good question with like, uh, his question was, with uh, growing the sport and having new eyes on the series, why did you guys decide to go with Flow Racing and and a subscription model instead of uh, going live on the champ off road YouTube channel. Um, so from, I, th- I believe from what Frank had said is that um, I mean, champ off road, again, they used to be live used mm-hmm. to be free, but now moving to the flow series, uh, you know, thing that there's, you know, different types of racing on there, different types of, uh, you know, fan, fan, fan uh, disciplines that come in, you know what I mean? If, if it's, drag racing or whatever it may be. And, and from what Frank had said is that uh, this, this seems to be working by moving to flow racing and, and having that, um, you know, subscription uh, working because I mean, from a, from a business model standpoint, I mean, you think about it like, okay, um, if, if something isn't working while well, you make it maybe a little bit bigger, a little more expensive and it's, you're still going to maintain some sort of revenue there, but, but you know, maybe the price has gone up. I, I'm not sure, but from from what he had said is that that model does seem to be working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, what I got from it too. It was like, it was more of a chance to get more eyes on the sport because Flow is like a <laughs> racing like uh, platform. Yeah, like a multi racing. Like they yeah. got dirt oval, they got midget cars, they got the sprint cars, they got NASCAR, they got all sorts of cars on that uh, type of racing. So yeah, I get it. Um, like I said. It's a good, it's a good subscription. Everyone subscribe floor racing. Um, yeah. I mean, but, well, I mean, and again, man, you, you get all the, uh, you know, off road stuff. Oh, snow crosses on, on demand. It. Yeah. Snow crosses on it. So no crosses on it. Yeah. Everything is on demand. I mean, I, I know like in, in the day and age in the world that we're in, um, you know, it's another subscription. Um, but it's almost, I mean, I guess like, like the Amazon, prime of short course, I guess, in, in a sense, is like the only way that you can get to it. Um, as far as subscribing, I mean, it's, it's once a year thing, you get it for a year off road and snowcross. I'm falling in love with snowcross. So that helps tremendously. Plus, I mean, you're going to get to see Jeffrey out there in a big yellow yeah, not jacket, right. <laughs> big yellow pants. And, uh, and you know what, you, you know, what? Ooh, thought, thought here, Jeffrey, is are, are people that that maybe subscribe right let's say they sub- subscribe and they start watching snowcross you know what they should do they should they should take a drink every time they see jeffrey or lyle or you know me on on the screen and then that's a drinking game Ooh, right? and, how about and they, that and they post it and, and they take us yeah yeah take impulse yeah, media then, 
Yeah, yeah. I love it. Uh, yeah, two of the people don't drink, but uh, you know, we're gonna promote uh, drinking games. No cross. So. Yeah, we're gonna get, we're gonna get a call from Tito. I'm so drunk right now. Yeah, yeah. Fucking trash. Stop walking in the finish line. Yeah. yeah. Stay away from the start. I can't do it no more. Yeah. <laughs> How many times are the starting line? Thirty-seven times. So far. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, Tom wants you to show up at the last two weekends, Tito. Who? Tom. Uh, uh, I don't know if I can. Uh, when is the... Well, you could do Dubuque, you, maybe. I, I I don't think I can do Dubuque. Why? I'll be in... Wait, when's Dubuque? When do you go to Mexico? Oh, you go to Mexico? Next Monday. Yeah, no, you'll be... Monday oh, yeah. to Sunday. Yeah, you'll be gone. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. so it, it would be Michigan this weekend. Yeah, be the only one that I can do. And yeah. then I'll be gone from, yeah, March 27th to April 2nd. I mean, what are the odds of us even getting you a vest to get out there and shoot? Probably pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's like, come on, look at me. Come on, yeah. come on, come on. The question is, would it fit? That's the real question. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because, I mean, it's one thing to, like, get a get a vest to fit, right? Yeah. It's another when you're wearing all kinds of snow stuff. You know what I mean? Layers and layers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm I'm big enough as it is, but when you put on a jacket and everything else with it, it just extrapolates. Yeah. And it's like, is there enough fabric? Yeah. You know, that's going to be able to to accommodate that. Ooh. So I uh, got a text from Mr. Greaves, and he said he is able to come back on now. Oh, Mr. Crazy Joe. Yes. So I guess like um, what I wanted to talk about with him. And he's going to be our new race analyst. Uh, our new what? Race analyst. Gee, I thought you said our new racist analyst. Yeah, hey, I did man. too. Oh, well, my bad. Yeah, my bad. Alive. My bad. Yeah, I, I, bit, I, bit my, I bit my tongue, so everything is starting to come out weird. <laughs> so, uh, see, this is why we can't get sponsored. You say stuff no, like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> my bad. My bad. But yeah, um, he said he has a little time to talk. So um, okay, I, yeah. I guess the things that uh, I was texting him during the conversation um, probably unprofessional, but um, I told him that uh, maybe we talk about the addition to the purse and how that helps out drivers. Um, and maybe Mid America's Pro Light Race, yeah, absolutely. Races. And then, um, obviously, found out last week that he has a new teammate, so yep. maybe getting into that a little bit. Should we ask about, about Maxis? Oh, there we go. <laughs> we can. I mean, I don't know how yeah. open he'll be, but um, I mean, he'll are you tell guys us bringing something. back the uh, foot drinking races is a question. Dude, we've been talking about that for a while too. From yeah, young we, blood. We a hey, young blood. We will. Uh, we will get to that after CJ. Yep. All right. Hey, do you have an intro? Nah, just you know. I'll just. I'll. I'll yeah, wing it. Crazy Joe Greaves. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the whole rigmarole. Yeah. Yeah, I told him at two, a little after two is two oh four. He's probably still welding. <laughs> probably still welding. And our next guest, while I'm out trying to sling it, he's actually slinging it. We've got the four-time two pump chump, CJ Greaves. When do I become like single pump or three to pump? <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if you want to be a single pump chump. Well, or I could, or I could get promoted to three pump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I mean, hey, I gotta just, get just, better or worse. One of the two. I've I've heard the average on the Reddit boards is is two pump chump. 
Well, th- then there is below average. In some days, <laughs> you're having an off day, let me tell you. This ain't, this ain't golf. We're not trying to get one pump here. We, you know what I mean? You gotta, those are rookie numbers. we got to step those up. Uh, that's what I've been doing wrong. Mm. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm more of a, you know, kind of a, a five minute guy. You just, you know, I'm a, you just you let it soak. Okay. I'm sorry. Anyways, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm not drinking. Jesus. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> so <laughs> Mr. Crazy Joe Greaves, what's going on, brother? What have you been doing today? Are you busy? Are you actually working? I'm actually working. I got short course cars to get ready. We are getting to that point. So, my, uh, bandsaw well portal bandsaw got loose last week and cut a bunch of shit apart and cost me a bunch of work now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah definitely not on purpose no no i was i'm telling you i was standing there looking at it going you don't move i know you're trying to move the next thing you know i turned around and it was all cut apart and then the whole top was off <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, so it was topless big fan big fan Oh yeah. It's, it's more than topless now. It started off topless and then, you know, it's one thing led to another and <laughs> here we are. You know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Here we are topless. I mean, so do you think that you've kind of gone into that, um, you know, that, that negative dark mindset of toplessness because you, you're, you're going through a recent breakup or, or like who ended that? Was it a mutual thing or were you like, <laughs> Hey, you're just, you're not getting it done anymore. And, and you kind of moved to that, that dark side of things. What me and my car broke up? Who broke up? Oh, I'm I'm talking about your, your like a partnership. You know what I mean? Something with two X's, and, and you're looking for three. Oh, oh, you're just laying into me like that, trying to get all the answers today. <laughs> trying to get them all. <laughs> you know, many years will get you there. You can ask any couple. Many, many years will get you to a point where some days you're just like, I don't know if it's worth it anymore. <laughs> So what are you going to be doing for next season? Are you even going to be on race wheels or is this like a new like NASA kind of thing where you're going to be on plastic? Like, like what, what are you going to be uh, out there in? Can you even announce it yet? Or is that something that's hush hush and a secret for now? Bluetooth. 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 Yeah. Yeah. You know, that way, if I don't like the setup, I can go on my phone, log into my Bluetooth, get connected, and just change up the groove mid-race. Mm. Mm. I mean, how much better, how much better can you get than that, right? Look at this guy. He can't when are you gonna when are you gonna announce it? When are you gonna announce your new tire? <laughs> yeah, he's like, just let us I know. <laughs> I don't even know the answer to that. I wish I could tell you the answer. What? They have they had big plans. They want to make a video and you know do it like cool and not not the way I would do it with my phone. You know, yeah, but you're on a podcast. How how much cooler is that? I mean, that's pretty sweet for everyone listening, but for the the people involved, they're gonna go. You know. <laughs> That really wasn't probably the right thing to do. And I only need to do that once this week. So I don't need to be in that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, I only need to do it once. He's like, I've been in trouble enough. Yeah. I've been in trouble enough. Uh, So did you, uh, did you film it already or or no? Are you looking for like a, you know, super sweet minority media company? Uh, 
you know, I have not filmed it yet. So there's a, there's a good chance that we could get this super sweet media company in on it. And then you guys would know when I know. Mm. All right. Mm. Well, I love that. Send us uh send us a smoke sig. <laughs> smoke sig. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see the flare with a red smoke sig behind it. If you see that, you know it's game time. <laughs> oh. Uh what did you uh what did you want to ask, Jeffrey? What did I want to ask? Yeah. Uh, uh hold up. Oh yeah, so uh news broke out. Uh what do you think of the Champ Off Road Road uh purse that's uh going to be delivered at the end of the year. I like it. I like it. It's, it's a step in the right direction, right? We, it, we've, we've had many conversations about everything that's happened and heard from a lot of different drivers. And it's unfortunate that say teams like Jarrett that came from California weren't here now. Cause it, maybe there's, maybe that would alter his decision in, in not racing anymore. Maybe it wouldn't, but, um, it's definitely a step in the right direction. I mean, going from what we were racing for to racing for big purse and something to shoot for, maybe even we'll uh, have some guys that were considering running partial schedule look at the purse and go, you know what? It's worth it. It's worth to go to every race now and and shoot for a championship. So I'm excited. Um, I'm glad they were able to post some information about it and let everybody know that they've been working behind the scenes and ready to go for 2023. Hell yeah. Um, so do you think then it helps with um, some sort of transparency, some sort of transparency where, so I, I guess for me, it's like when they're doing something, does it help to have them explain it beforehand Whereas instead of doing it and then everyone's questioning, like what's going on, what's going on, people get mad and then they explain it and kind of quell the answers. Like, like, do you think it's something that would be nice to have them preemptively being like, so I know we may not have a, a big payout at the end, but here's why instead of not doing it, people getting angry and then them answering those questions. Yeah. I think transparency is, is huge. Um, and keeping your drivers, your teams that are there every week in the loop, even in the off season, even if say before the purse was necessarily getting worked on, you don't have to tell anybody any numbers. You don't have to give them any like in stone information, but if you're reaching out to the drivers, sending out an email from the series saying, Hey, we're working hard here. We're trying to get you guys a good, a good year on bonus. We don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be more than last year at very minimum but we're working hard to make it something worth your guys' time. Something like that, I think, on the off-season. I mean, the off-season's the, the off-season blues, right? Everything, it's winter, you don't get to race, you want to race, you're spending money working on your race cars, you're not really getting to go do anything with them. Um, you kind of got that initial investment every year in the off-season. So just keeping the drivers in the loop and, and uh, letting them know, like, what's going on behind the scenes. I think would go a long ways and even honestly reaching out to the drivers and, and asking them like, Hey, we're working on the purse. Um, what would you guys like to see? Would you, would you rather see a big podium purse say for top three winning more money or would you rather see 
it cut down a little bit more, but spread out further. And I think even just reaching out and getting the driver's opinion on that would go quite a ways in the driver's eyes anyways. I mean, then you, then, you know, they're taking your, uh, your opinion into consideration and want to know what the drivers want to see. So I think there's definitely some ups and downs to it as a series. You want like that big boom, right? You want to be able to drop it like a bomb and be like, look, this is what we just did. But at the same token, it's, it's hard to keep the drivers in the right mindset of they are working behind the scenes when you're just in radio silence for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I I know you said that you were working um, before this, but, um, and, and I'm I'm sure you you probably know, but so we had Frank on earlier, asked him a bunch of questions, kind of, you know, clearing a lot of the stuff up. Um, So, you know, this year, obviously we're moving to seven tracks and then next year, the plan is for, for uh, the series then to move to eight tracks. And he even um, kind of explored the idea of going back to Wheatland or even, you know, uh, breaking ground somewhere in Georgia. Um, do you think like a lot of that is the right step in the right direction? And and how do you feel then about going and adding one track each year comparatively instead of just adding like nine tracks in one or, you know, three additional tracks in one year? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously you want growth, right? If you're getting further apart, you're getting new states, you're getting new eyes, you're getting growth. Under the lines of you got to make sure that your racers can can do it, right? You got to make sure that whether you're doing just pros, I, w- I would imagine a lot of the further out races are going to be pro only. Um, that's how it was in previous years. I don't, I don't know that. I don't know if he mentioned whether it would or wouldn't. But obviously, that's how the Oklahoma races this year. And I think a lot of the sportsmen are okay with that. I don't think a lot of the sportsmen want to drive 12 hours and have an extra two days off just for travel when they're, when they're working nine to five and have a bunch of volunteers doing it, it makes it really hard to travel. Um, but you do need growth to some extent, right? The series is growing, the the car counts are growing, the um, spectator, are growing. So adding a track here and there, I think is definitely a step in the right direction. Long as you're, you're taking care of your drivers, making sure that your drivers can get there. The last thing you want to do is go to a new track and then say six pro two show up and six pro fours and a handful of pro lights. And you just got a half a field or a quarter of a field because a lot of the people are just like, well, it's not worth it, right? It's, it's not worth it in the long run. I don't have a chance at the championship maybe maybe that's not the direction that they're going to go and travel. But I know in previous years they did, they did travel money um, for drivers, especially guys more or less outside of the top three. I know when Torque was going around and we were traveling a lot, there was a, like a kind of like a kiddie traveling fund of kind of moving around and, and getting at least their guests paid for or something to help get a lot of the drivers there. Um, some of the pro four guys when pro four was real small, um, helping get them guys there. And, and sometimes that's, well, that's what you got to take when you go to growth. And I, I do think adding tracks is a, is a good thing, but you gotta, um, be very careful with it. If you add say three tracks in three years and they're all 12 hours from where you normally go, 
I don't necessarily think that that's a route that somebody would want to go because it's just going to be hard to get people to travel to three races now that are all over 12 hours away, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, growth is good. I think repeatability is even better than that. If you can say grow one new track in a year and then the following year, don't add anything and go back to that same one new track, get your, get your foot in the ground there, get your stamp there, get your crowd coming, get that event up on its feet before you add another one where, um, it makes it hard. You know, when, when you go to a, some of them races, I think we did in like Dodge city, Kansas, I think it was in Kansas or something. And some of the torque days, we went there one time, one year, they spent a ton of money trying to turn this facility into somewhere where you can fit everybody, then put in a racetrack and then hold the event. And then the next year you didn't go back. So it was like, what did we gain? You know? Yes. Getting that footprint out there was, was good. We got a decent amount of spectators, but it was like, why wouldn't we go back the next year? I know it doesn't always work that way, but um, I think being able to have that repeatability, is just as important as, adding new tracks because as drivers you want to go and race against a sold out crowd that's what sponsors want that's what people want to see as far as behind the scenes people sponsors social media um vendors that's what they want to see they want a big crowd that can go there and they can go there and promote their stuff and you know do their thing there as well so when you go to a new event and then you only go one year or something like that it makes it really hard to want to like as a sponsor, I would guess to go, well, we want more new tracks because, well, what are they going to last one year? So I think uh, as as they continue to grow, um, it's important that you make sure that you can, you know, that we're going to go back there again and at least make it worth it the second year. So, uh, so when you're talking about uh, repeatability, so, like, let's say, obviously, this year we're going to Jay, Oklahoma, right? Um, would it then make sense to then go to Wheatland the following year? Because I'm looking here, and Jay, Oklahoma is only three hours away from Wheatland, Missouri. So, do you think that that would be a good start as far as, like, you know, us in the Midwest are kind of establishing repeatability and tracks here, and then starting kind of somewhere in the south with, like, Jay and then and Wheatland? Yeah. I mean, Wheatland has a following, right? You're not trying to build a short course following there. So I think you, you could about go to Wheatland anytime you want. And with some pretty general promotion, they used to have big races. They, they have races going on at Wheatland all the time um, between the dirt track and the, I think they have the uh, boat track and a drag strip and all kinds of stuff going on there all the time. So Wheatland in itself has a, has a really good, following so I, I don't think Wheatland would ever be a problem it's a lot of tracks like like mid-america man i was there over the weekend beautiful facility really beautiful facility and jason there just loves off-road he's he's a non-profit he, he donates back everything they make they donate back to the city or the town or it back into into the to the area anyways and um he just loves to continue growing it's just hard to get we, we were there over the weekend and there was, there's a good amount of cars, a hundred plus cars there. And the, it was cold. I'll give you that. It's cold <laughs> and it was, it was rainy. So that definitely plays a part, but 
it's also an off-road park. So it's hard to get spectators in there that are truly coming because they want to watch off-road. I don't know what they do for, for promotion in their side-by-side series. Are they promoting it all the time? Or are they not? I don't, I don't know that. I don't, I don't know anything really about it. I know they promote their side-by-side series, but I don't know that they promote like a general spectating area because they don't have bleachers. They don't have like a general spectating area yet. Uh, most of us just sit on the big hill and, and watch it from there. But, um, tracks like that are the ones that you got to be very careful on when you go to a new event, because you're, you're dealing with a whole new following. You're trying to get almost all new people to get there and get involved. And a majority of them in that area have never been to a short course race, never been to a, a torque Lucas, whatever, whatever it was in the previous years, champ off road event. So they don't know what to expect. And it's like, it almost takes two to three years to get that, that really big following that you're looking for where it really starts to pay off. I think one of the, the biggest things I think as drivers that you could probably ask Keegan, you could ask a lot of the guys that, that were running at the time. And I don't even know Jeffrey, if you guys were really shooting or anything yet. Um, when we used to go to Chicagoland, I don't know what happened there. I don't know if it was politics, if they just didn't like it or whatever, but the first year it was all right. The next year, it was standing room only. It was full on, sold out. There was people standing on the ground in the bleacher, on the ground in front of the bleachers, on the walkway in the bleachers. The whole entire bleachers was sold out. It was freaking incredible. It was one of the biggest crowds at a at a traveling event that we've ever that I've ever been a part of. And the next year, we didn't go back. And we were all like, "What the heck? Like you spent all this time and effort to grow this event." And now it like literally sold out and turned into this huge event and standing room only. And it was one of the best crowds we've had. And then we didn't go back the next year. So that was, that's what you don't want to happen. Um, Cause it, it makes it hard for everybody to try to justify it. Right. It makes it hard to go. We're going to travel 12 hours, 13, 14 hours, however many it's going to be. Um, to race there one time and never come back or, or to race there. And then finally we start getting like fans there and we're, we're actually bringing apparel there now because um, we've had people asking for it. Like there's getting to be a following there and then not go back is a time that it kind of makes, puts a bitter taste in your mouth that you're like, why, why did we do it in the first place? You know, if, if there was no future plans to make sure that we were going to race there for a couple of years, why were we all spending our money to go there? And, and I know there's way more to it behind the scenes than, than we'll ever see or hear about obviously being with the tracks and, and how they go about it and, and series sponsors and local track sponsors. That's some things that we really had a problem with when we had side-by-side sports was these venues that we went to had their own sponsors and they had to be plastered. Their, their contract is to be on that spot no matter what, Right. Well, then you bring in your series and it's a conflicting sponsor with one of your main sponsors. What do you do? They're saying, we're not going to take it down because they paid to be there. And you're going, well, I paid to hold an event here. And I didn't sign anything saying that, you know, that there was conflicting sponsors that we couldn't cover up. So there's, there's a lot more to it than we all think. But overall, um, I think Wheatland is, is a knock knock out of the park. I've never actually got to race there myself. I might be there in a couple of weeks racing. Might go run the, the MAO race there. 
and uh, see what it's all about. But I know the facility is is top notch, and I know they got a good following, and I think a lot of us would really like to go there. And uh, well, uh, go ahead, Tito. Oh no, go ahead, Jeffrey. <laughs> well, I mean, just uh, going off Mao, um, they have uh, four pro light races going on this uh, upcoming year. Um, how do you think those are going to go? And where do you think they got the hundred thousand dollar purse? You know, to, or how do you think they raised the money for the hundred thousand dollar purse? Yeah, I don't, I think, I don't know what Jason, the owner of MAO does. If, if that's him just funding it cause he loves the sport is, is he getting sponsors? I'm not, I have no idea. I'm not down there. I don't know enough people down there at MAO to really know. I think um, Jason truly loves the sport and wants to see badass race trucks race at his facility and be a part of it. So I wouldn't be surprised if he went, we're going to, we're going to put up this money and we're going to get the racers there. Hopefully with this money, we'll get a big enough crowd. We'll get enough racers. We'll get interest at our track. We'll maybe get some track sponsors that are going to eventually want to be a part of it because of the trucks and in the grand scheme of things, it'll all pay off. Is that, is that the answer? I have no idea, but I could see him kind of going along them lines. As far as the pro lights go, I think, I think it's really important for him to do these races, especially at mid America, because they have way more than, more than just pro lights coming in September. Mm-hmm. So I think getting some trucks on the track, and getting a feel for what they're really kind of getting into is important. Um, I'm, I'm glad to see that they're they're implementing the, the pro lights there and going along champ rules. I think um, Johnny Holter, I think, is planning to do it. I think KGB, I heard, is, is planning to do it. Um, it gives some of these smaller pro light teams a reason to, to travel and go uh, see if they can't if they can't try their card out there and make some money doing it. So. I'm excited for it. Um, I think it's almost a, a blessing in disguise getting them out there early. Cause it's like, now we got all these race trucks out there. They're already going to gather, start to gather a fan base. Right. And now you tell them champs coming and everyone says, what's champ? Well, remember watching them, them trucks running there, whatever week. Yeah. Do that like times 10, because there's a pile of them and there's all different classes and you're going to see buggies and you're going to see UCBs and you're going to see those trucks and you're going to see two trucks that are bigger than that and faster than that and so on and so forth. So I think, I think overall it's a, it's a, it's a great thing. Um, I don't know on their current track, their current UTV track. I don't know what they're, they're obviously their first race is at mid America. So they'll, they'll get a taste of it there, but their current track, I'm not hundred percent sure how it's going to suit a pro light. Um, I know they got Pastrana, um, Terry Madden, a whole bunch of these guys. Um, the Anderson father, son, uh, monster truck guys are all part of mid America. They're all, they all got their own little area set up there on in plans to what they want to build. Um, when I was there over the weekend, they were, uh, sifting dirt. They had a, like a, big pit going and trying to sift as much dirt as they could to get the nitro rally cross course built. Um, they're still starting that, I think in the next two weeks here. So, uh, the, the last I heard is we might be doing champ might be doing some of the nitro rally cross course might be doing some of the current UTV track. Um, I guess we won't really know until 
further down the road, but the, the current UTV track is, it's a badass UTV track, but it's, it's a UTV track. Everyone, everyone forgets that UTVs are 72 at max, 72, 78 inches wide and race trucks. The big trucks are a hundred inches wide and need, need a lot of track to make it a true raceable track where you're not worried about taking each other out. And I think that's what they're going to get the most knowledge from is when they see them first couple pro lights go around there and they see how much track they use and how small the track looks with just them on it, they're going to go, holy man, we need to make sure we got something big, something wide. Um, a lot of the jumps are awesome for UTVs. UTVs are short. They're, they don't require near as much dirt as a truck does to air it out, to, to be like a, a truck jump. Everyone, it's hard to build a truck jump. You, it has to look like it's boring, and it doesn't have a huge face on it, and it's real mellow, but they forget that they're 4,000, 4,400 pounds <laughs> going 80, 90 miles an hour plowing into this jump, and they jump a long way off very little. Yep. So um, I think it, it, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I think they're going to learn a ton from the first couple. I think they're going to continue to grow it. I don't know how many locals – have jumped onto the pro light wagon. I know Ken Baker has one. Um, he's one of the local fast guys there. And that's all I know off of hand that has one for down there. But luckily we got some Midwest guys and champ guys going to run there. And I think, uh, I think they'll have a lot of fun. Um, do you think that uh champ off road is kind of, they've kind of done the two birds with one stone uh, as far as like us going to Jay, uh, Oklahoma is more likely, like you said, probably just going to be pro classes because that's what they've done before. Um, where back then it was just kind of like pro four, pro two, pro light. Now that they've now they've got UTV classes to kind of include in it to kind of have uh, uh, you know worth it's 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 worth the worth the price of admission. And do you think that they're going to include the the buggy in it? So then you have at least three pro classes. Do you think that's something that they just kind of fell into, or do you think that was a bit of a strategy uh, when champ had started? Um, I'm not really sure. Cause you know, super buggy pro buggy, whatever you want to call it has went back and forth so much. It's yeah. been a more class. It's been a pro class. It's been a more class. It's been a pro class. Um, I think the UCV is, having the super buggies there. I think I've even heard that they're considering bringing pro-am as well um, to some of the pro events um, is, is good. I think that's good. I think it'll shorten up the day for everybody. It'll give the track crew proper time, especially these first couple of years. Um, for the, the first, this year for surely, I think they're really going to need some track time as far as on equipment to make sure that the track is holding up to the way they want it to. And, and that's safe for everybody. Um, they've only had UTVs really out there. So none of us really know what the dirt's going to do. So I think it is important to make sure that we're not trying to run all day long, say right from the very first weekend, like we do at Crandon and Bark River and stuff where we know what the dirt's going to do. We know what the track time takes um, and so on and so forth. So, I think it's good that we did get some more classes, the UTVs. Um, I would like to see pro, uh, pro buggy there. And really I'd like to see pro ham there. I know um, 
Pro-Am was a new class last year and was kind of debatable, but I think it turned out to be a lot of kick-ass racing. That was probably one of the most fun UTV classes to watch because you never knew who was going to win. I mean, there was, I think they probably had more different winners in that class alone than any other class there was. So, and they're the guys kind of getting ready to go into pro stock or pro turbo or pro light. So to have them along, I think is, is important. And it also gives that new footprint that we're trying to expand to. It gives those people an idea that there is um, an entry level class. Um, when I think that's one thing that was hard to justify when we were traveling in, in previous years and it was pro only is there was guys that wanted to get in and they like, how do we get in? And like, well, you get to go race with the pros. And then someone goes, Oh, well, they're sportsmen. They go, where are they? Well, they don't race here. And I go, well, I'm from around here. If I wanted to do it, I for surely want to race here. And then there was not really an entry level class for them. So I think having pro-am there would give a lot of guys like that, that go to kind of like, Oh, there's a class that I can travel watch the truck, be a part of the kind of so-called big show and still be at it a more of an entry level class than jumping right into the pros. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that'd be great. I think it's going to be interesting uh, to see who all travels to Jay or, you know, what classes they uh, uh, bring there. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, MOA is going to be, a great start uh, this April uh, when it comes to uh, having those trucks out there. I think, again, I think that's smart as well to introduce pro lights, but then also to uh, just kind of have them test out the track essentially and be like, how is this going to go when the show, I I don't want to call it the show, but when champ off road shows up uh, in in September. Um, No, I I don't have uh, any more questions, Jeffrey or Lyle, if, if you guys are good. Uh, no, uh, I am good. CJ answered all of my questions. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, well, hey, CJ, uh, we'll let you go. Uh, the only reason I think I'm ready to wrap it up is uh, I forgot we had an, I got an email from my uh, apartment complex and maintenance is coming around checking uh, preventative maintenance. <laughs> so, and I hear them knocking around uh, the apartment. So I anticipate they'll be in here shortly. <laughs> no problem. No problem. So, <laughs> okay. But, but already, brother, we will uh, we will talk to you later. We'll uh, call you. Uh, I don't know, sometime next week, or, or we'll start setting up uh, weekly things for our off road expert analyst. Absolutely, I'm I'm excited. I think uh, everyone in in general. Um, I hope the sponsors, sportsmen. I think what we got coming is going to be really excited for everybody. Um, I think it's going to grow fast, and I think. Uh, getting everyone involved is going to be a lot of fun. So um, I appreciate you guys having me on and uh, we'll keep working towards it. All right, brother. All righty, homie. All right. Talk to you guys later. All right. Love Love you. you Love you. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's cool of CJ. I, I, when I text him, he was like, dude, I'm welding arms together. He's like, can we do it later this (laughs) evening? And I'm like, Two o'clock? <laughs> yeah, he goes late at the still the PM. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, no, cool of him. Um, excited yeah. uh, mm-hmm. to have him on on a weekly basis, hopefully. We got two more Snowcross, so two more Snowcross events that I kind of want to be more um, involved in as far as 
the podcast yeah, sure. goes. But yeah. um, next and, week, go ahead, Lyle. As I say, they just announced that Triple Crown from here on out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's... So we get that format from here on out with the pro racers. Yeah, which I'm excited about. It makes for yeah. some good racing. Yeah, that's going to be fun to watch. I'll be watching uh, this Friday and this Saturday. So I probably will watch on Friday sober and then Saturday. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. We'll I mean, see what, we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll test out that drinking game then. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll watch test out that drinking Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, no, there's Jeffrey. Yeah. <laughs> Darn it. Oh, there's Lyle. Goodness. Oh, my God. I keep reminding it. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, just going to be running back and forth. Yeah. I'm just going to be walking back and forth on the start this weekend. Uh, but uh, I'm text you guys enough. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. We get it. <laughs> but yeah. um. But um. Should be all letters and those. Yeah. But no. Um. Uh. Next week we might be taking off. Uh. Tito's and. Uh, um. We'll be in Baja. That, Hico. Hico. that is Baja next Hico. week. I will have to. Um. Either we'll have to record one. Uh. Beforehand and not be live, or you guys can be live. Uh. Or we'll have to take the week off, and then I will uh, text our guest. Um, that we had wanted to bring on that I'll probably have to let him know for March 4th. Yeah. So we will, yeah. So we will not, oh shit. The next two weekends then we might be taking a two week break. (laughs) Wait, why? What's going on April 4th for you? I fly out to Phoenix. Why? Don't worry about it. Oh, for vacation. So, okay, Lyle. So, but I'm working. <laughs> I'm working. But then he's like, oh, I get it. He's, wor- he, he's working. He's going to fucking. <laughs> he's going to fucking Mexico to go drink and hang out with. Vision to go Wheel. film. To this go hang out with Vision Wheel. Media. Well, then no drinking. You're, you're working. Paid. No more drinking then. Don't worry about how no, I operate. See, more. Don't yeah. do my Don't best work. Yeah, yeah. Tommy's done, doesn't it? No. Done. From now on, no, no, you're working. No, no drinking. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm gonna let Tito. I'm gonna let Keegan. I'm gonna let Domestic Keegan, is one thing. I'm gonna let Keegan know too, and be like, "Hey, you better not be go drinking ahead, on the job." I guarantee they'll feed me drinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I guess before the maintenance people go, uh, Adam says uh, anything about the foot race. Who's that? Uh, yes, we uh, will. Yes, uh, I, I think we're going to try to bring it back for sure. Uh, we, Adam, if you're still there, we will try to bring it back. Um, going to try to think about it and try not to overdo it like I was doing last year. Yeah, keep um, it simple. But yeah, keep it simple. Uh, I think, again, we might uh, touch in that triple crown, um, see if we can reach out to Dirt City, kind of starting there. Because again, it, I think it helps to start at Dirt City, whereas like the season is so, you know, at that point. You, you got to have a little fun into it and then we'll do bark river and then we'll do crandon i i think we might just do the straight up race at dirt city and then i don't know if people like the bracket style at bark river um and then the teams at crandon but um we'll think about it but yeah we'll we'll, we'll bring it back the triple crown maybe we'll do triple some crown. Type of triple crown races make a logo and everything yeah, the only yeah, we'll the only to, thing the only thing that we got sponsored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the only thing we got sponsored was the goddamn foot foot race from uh, Eckler Electric. Eckler, you kept yeah, calling I don't, it know, I don't even know what it is anymore. Really? Eckler Electric, <laughs> and this is or why is this is why we can't get sponsored. Oh, it's called Dave Mason. Quick, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got a message. Someone said maybe Tito will finally win one. Um, you know what? Uh, I think it's time to, to hey, dust off the old cleats. I think when I moved to Appleton, 
We're progressing. Each race, you're progressing. I am. That's all, that's I all am. we can hope for. I we know you. the speed and drinking is there. I beat mm-hmm. just put it all together. I beat him. That's sad. Yeah, yeah. because of rock, paper, scissors, that's all luck. Dude, that rock, paper, scissors went on forever. It did. That Too was long. funny. That, that seems a little set up. A little, little sussy. A little sussy. A little sussy. I can't believe I drew you in the first round. Unbelievable. Oh, whatever. You said it. Total up. random. <laughs> <laughs> Total random. Somebody goes, winner gets a weekend supply of Vienna hot dog sponsored by me. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, but um no thank you all that are still listening still here live uh even even those that are downloading the podcast and listening or watching later uh thank you all so much for tuning in uh it was i thought it was a great podcast very mm-hmm. informative um really enjoyed it so it was really cool to be able to um you know partake in it so yes uh, we will let you guys know about next week's uh podcast i don't think it's going to happen uh maybe we'll try to run something on monday but we'll figure it out and we will let you guys know uh until then Thank you guys so much uh, for tuning in. And uh, I'm Tito Bean. This is the Impulse Show. And we love it. All right. We love, love you guys. You. Bye. 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 All right. Good job, guys. This is how legends are made.